Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Soundsington Media! Welcome to a new edition of Reaching Out from Reach, a space podcast for kids. Reaching Out gives us the chance to answer space-related questions from kids around the world. This week's question comes from Max in Illinois, and it's all about the expanse beyond our solar system, the planets orbiting stars other than our sun. Let's have a listen. Hi, my name is Max. I live in Springfield, Illinois. My question is, what do exoplanets look like? Great question, Max. Hey, Meredith, I bet exoplanets have different characteristics depending on a number of factors. Well, to get to the answer, we reached out to our good friend, Dr. Doug Hudgens, program scientist for NASA's exoplanet exploration at NASA headquarters. Hello, Dr. Hudgens, and thanks so much for joining us on REACH. Thanks a lot. That's a really great question and a really interesting question that lots of scientists and and even artists are thinking about as we learn more and more about exoplanets. Uh, What do exoplanets look like? Well, I mean, we can think of the incredible variety of the appearance of planets just by looking in our own solar system. We have rocky planets like Mercury close to our own sun. Uh, Then we have terrestrial planets like Venus and Earth and Mars all of which are rocky planets, but very, very different from each other. As we go further from our own sun, we find the gas giant planet Jupiter with its multicolored bands, then the gas giant Saturn with its incredible ring system. And further out from that, we have smaller but still gaseous blue-green Neptune and Uranus out there. So there's an incredible variety of Uh, planets just in our own solar system. And guess what? As we started to find planets around other stars, we find out that there's an even wider array of uh, types of planets and sizes and orbits. And all of these planets must look very different from each other. What a planet looks like really depends on lots of things. What the planet's made of, how far it orbits from its star, what type of star it is, Uh, what other planets are present in the system, all of these things shape what planets must look like. Some of the very common types of planets that we've found so far are planets that orbit very close to their star. Now, we may think that the planet Mercury, which orbits very close to our sun in our solar system, it's our closest planet to the sun, which is just rocky. It has little or no atmosphere, and it orbits in about 45 days. We think that's really close to the star, but that's nothing compared to some of the exoplanets we've found. We've found exoplanets that orbit with less than a day period around their star. They are just ferociously hot. There are gas giant planets the size of Jupiter that orbit in their orbit their star in only a couple of days. Those planets have 
temperatures on their day side, the side facing their star, that are more than 1,000 degrees, some more than 2,000 degrees. This gives rise to incredibly intense winds that whip around the planet uh, that, that make the winds in, on any of the planets in our solar system look like uh, a, a Sunday breeze. So incredibly strong winds. Then there are rocky planets that orbit very close to their star. And on the surface of those, of course, their atmosphere has probably been blown away and it's just a rock, but they're so hot that the surfaces probably are molten. So it's like a lava planet, if you will, with literally the surface uh, having been melted by the heat of, the, of its own star. Now, of course, we like to think about planets that are perhaps more hospitable to life, and there are planets that orbit in what we call the habitable zone of their star, and that's basically uh, the distance at, at which it's possible that a planet with an appropriate atmosphere could have liquid water on its surface. We think liquid water is important because we believe that liquid water is important for the potential existence of life. Even potentially habitable planets could look very different. A rocky planet the size of the Earth with an atmosphere like ours orbiting a sun like ours at about the same distance would look very similar to the Earth we see around us today. But let's say a planet the size of the Earth with an atmosphere that was orbiting around an M dwarf or a red dwarf star, uh, it would orbit much closer and the spectrum of light that it would receive would be very different. Now that's the spectrum of the light uh, is very important to the appearance because the plant life around us, it, we, the plant life that we see on Earth is all green because it, the chlorophyll that makes it up has evolved to make it ideal for absorbing the light that comes from our sun. If we had planets evolving on a planet around a different type star, say one that was much redder than the sun, like a red dwarf, Presumably, the, uh, the light-capturing molecules in those plants would evolve differently to absorb the very different wavelengths of light that you're getting from that star. So instead of seeing plants around us that were green, for instance, we might see plants that were blue or red or who knows what color we might see very different because they've evolved differently because of the light conditions are very different. So even planets that we have, you know, running water on and potentially evolution of life could look very different. And then of course, we go further out in solar systems where we get beyond what we call the ice line where it just becomes too cold to have liquid water on planets and and you can have both gaseous planets, gas giants like Jupiter and Saturn uh, in areas like that and also rocky planets uh, that may exist with uh, uh, you know, with a solid surface, but and and even an atmosphere, but with nothing but say ice and and frozen materials on the surface. Uh, so the the range of appearances that planets can take on is is incredible is incredibly large and almost as anything you could imagine. Uh, which is actually why it's so fun, uh, both for scientists and for uh, as I said, artists who are developing images concepts that you sometimes see in newspapers or online of what a planet might look like. I have a number of friends that are really, really talented scientist artists. And what they do is they will work with the people that are studying and, and discovering exoplanets, and they will gather together all we know about the planet, its temperature, its orbit, its 
rotational period. It's the type of star and everything like that. And they'll use as much scientific information as we have about that to then educate the guesses that they then make about what that planet might look like. So like I said, if we had a planet that was around a red giant a red giant star or a red dwarf, you can imagine, they can then imagine, okay, uh, what sort of colors of plants would be well-suited to support the wavelengths of light coming from that star, and what might those plants look like? And think about, well, you know, what sort of structures would they be like? We, we think in terms of planets the size of the Earth, but there are probably planets with rocky surfaces, what we call terrestrial planets, uh, that are as large as maybe one and a half times the size of the Earth. But of course, on a planet that is that much larger, 50% larger than the size of the Earth, the gravity would be much stronger on the surface. So if you were standing on the surface and, and you weighed you know, 100 pounds here on Earth, you'd weigh 150 pounds or so on the surface of, of that planet. Everything would be about 50% more massive. That would have a profound effect on, uh, say, plants that evolved. You might, You probably wouldn't have... 300 foot tall redwood trees on a plant, planet like that because the gravity would make it so much heavier. Uh, it's so much harder to grow to great heights. So you might imagine plant life that's much squatter and closer to the ground than what we have here on Earth. So all of these things affect the planets themselves and the features on the planet and just what it would look like. So it's it's not a simple question, but it's a really, really fascinating one, and one that is going to be of interest uh, in years going forward. So I'll just add to that that you know a great thing about this is you know the 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 listeners that are tuning into your podcast um, are the people that are going to be using NASA's future telescopes, and and we just had I, I don't know whether you're aware of it, but just a couple of months ago we got the uh, the most recent decadal survey of astronomy and astrophysics. The, the astronomy and astrophysics community every 10 years gets together as a community and discusses what are the greatest, most important science opportunities that are available to us, and then makes recommendations to NASA and to the National Science Foundation about how we should spend our money to get the best science in the future. And, and the decadal survey that just came out recommended that the next flagship mission that we do uh, of course, we just launched the Webb Space Telescope. We will be launching the Roman Space Telescope in the middle of this decade. But the next one uh, is a space telescope that they envision uh, being designed to actually be able to directly detect uh, terrestrial planets around other stars and begin to characterize those planets. Now, I am not going to be around and running that space telescope by the time it launches, but the very people that are listening into your podcast are going to be the people. They're going to be the scientists that actually run and use and do the science with these telescopes. And they're going to be answering the questions of, what does that planet look like? Thanks again for that fantastic question, Max. And a big thanks to Dr. Doug Hudgens from NASA's headquarters for joining us again on REACH, along with our friends at NASA Space Place for sharing your expertise. Got a question about space? Let us know. Get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Then leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and a question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. We can also accept your questions via email. Just send us your first name, where you're from, and what question you'd like answered to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. 
That's it for this week on Reaching Out. We're your hosts, Brian Holden. And Meredith Stepien. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. And our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts.